Welcome back to the boys of 161st Street, episode 136. Today is June 17th. The Yankees are finishing up their last game against the Blue Jays. We're recording in, what what inning is it, Chandler? It is top nine. Also, side note, Tatis is a fucking monster. Yeah, this is in a Tatis podcast, though. Getting to that at the back end, I guess. Yeah, so the Yankees have taken two out of three so far. Hopefully, ideally, we started recording during this because we... Hope to God this team can hold on. So, you know, updates to come as we watch it, but they should, and hopefully we'll hold on to this one. But the Yankees have taken the first two, ideally three, with the Yank- with the uh, the Blue Jays, and honestly, I'm happy. I don't know, I don't know why I wouldn't be, but I, I was not expecting this. They didn't run into the buzzsaw that we thought Vladdy was going to be. It is what it is. Good things. Good things are happening in Yankee land. We're going to play hot or not. We're going to play some voicemails today. We've got a loaded show, lots to talk about. But before we do that, how you doing, Chandler? Uh, I'm doing okay. Been a little sick the last few days, but bouncing back strong. Got the second dose of the uh, Invincible shot? I did. I mean... What did you call it? Is yeah. that what you called it? Yeah. I'm going to go lick every sidewalk in South Carolina tomorrow. That's what well, I as said. As, as soon as, soon as, as I, I can... It. Yeah, no, as soon as I can, like walk 10 feet without feeling nauseous again then i'll be good to go maybe i'm just a bitch and can't handle a shot i don't know no i felt like shit after the first one too really and the second that one makes, i mean no, wait that was your first one no that was my second oh, you know after the first one i felt okay no i one, talked to a guy the other day his brother's a doctor i mean i i know a guy who knows a guy who said that the stronger your immune system the more it affects you and i'm gonna take that and i'm gonna run with it and just say that you know, i'm i'm basically the fucking hulk <laughs> All right, so the Yankees are playing baseball against teams that also play baseball, and yeah, they're they're playing decent baseball. Well they're playing decent baseball, and I'm happy about it. And we're gonna get into hot or not in a second, but it's 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 the it's the candidates that you wanted to start playing well are playing well. You know, you know, it's I, it's just Judge is playing I, good baseball. Stands no back in no runs. No way in hell I would have predicted. You know. If so, if they hang on to this game, which you know is a big if in Yankee Land, I would never, ever, ever have expected their first sweep and seemingly forever to come against the Blue Jays. I yeah. mean, the Blue Jays aren't a juggernaut by any means, but for fuck's sake, man! Every time we play them, I feel like I feel like we just can't beat the Blue Jays, especially in their weird ass minor league park. I just feel like it's it's cursed every time we play play the Blue Jays, and it it still very well might be. But I can't tell you the last time the Yankees played well in the final game of a series. No, they're two and seven in the final game of a series, and specifically, like you mentioned, against the Blue Jays this year, they have been terrible. It's like we were against the the Rays of old. It's just can't seem. We always have one team that we have a bugaboo with, and seemingly it's the Blue Jays, and they're playing good baseball. So, and it's important too. I mean, they're going to be in that. I I think the AL East race is pretty far out of reach to be honest at this point i was on bronx pinstripes the friday fives episode that's actually releasing tomorrow as well right before this shout out to them shout out to me go check that out flex go go check that out but we talked about me and andrew were mentioning how we think the division is 
you know, I, I think it may be a little bit out of reach. They have to, in order to keep pace with the Rays, who currently have the best record in baseball, they would need to literally go on like a 60-30 and 30 run from here on out. And I think that would mean, Andrew did the math, that would put us one game over the Rays, assuming they play, you know, 10 games over 500, which they could potentially be playing way better than that. So, honestly, you know, and with the way the Yankees are playing, I, I don't know how you can assume that they're going to go 60 and 30 the rest of the way. It's just not a good assumption. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to keep my expectations low, but I'm going to assume we're going to go into a wild card. And, you know, if we if we get the bats going and everybody starts playing well and we just start stockpiling wins, you know, maybe we could talk about it. But for the time being, there is we're, – we're working with a wild card. Wild card. I can't even fucking speak. Start a podcast, you idiot. Um, <laughs> but – like if you look at last I mean, year, if, if you mean, look at last year too, though last year too, we wouldn't have made the playoffs in a regular format. We're doing the regular format again this year, so it's just, I don't know, man. I, I have low expectations. That's wild, but um, yeah, man. I'm expecting at the very best case scenario a wild card, and something's got to change right fucking now. And you know, hopefully with Voigt coming back soon and Kluber coming back soon, and the big man Darren O'Day coming back soon, and maybe reinforcements on the way, we start to do that. I just, uh, my expectations and the expectations of Yankee fans, I'm assuming, is is similar to mine in that the team that I've been seeing this year doesn't look like it's going to go 60-30 and 30 the rest of the way. So maybe they do, maybe they don't. I think the most important matchups that we have going forward are going to be against, against the Red Sox, considering we have about 13 of them. or six, no, We have 16 matchups against the Red Sox, still remaining because we got swept in that one series. So we're going to be competing against them for that wild card spot, for one of the wild card spots, because it's right now us, the Red Sox, the Astros, and the Indians are the teams that are like in that mix. And, you know, the Astros are a good team. They're probably going to get that first wild card spot if they don't win their division. The Athletics are also looking good, so they may be back in that mix depending on how that shakes out. But I assume one of those teams is going to get those teams are going to be the the division winner in that spot, and the 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 latter is going to be the first seed in the wild card. So we're going to go against the Indians and the Red Sox, and I don't think the Indians are all that, and I think it's going to come down to us and the Red Sox. And we have 16 head-to-head against the Red Sox, so those games, if you're going to circle any games on your schedule, yeah, we got to win other games too, but the Red Sox are the most important games ever because you got head-to-head and you can give an, an immediate competitor for that wild card spot losses and the division record doesn't even matter at that point because we're not going for that's the tiebreaker for winning your division not for the wild card so that's just you're you're only worried about giving them more losses and giving them a worse record so that's these games against the red sox coming up are going to be so so important i mean i wouldn't count us completely out of the east it's so early still i mean i know it's not may or it's not april but I mean, it's we're still in June. You still have a hundred games left of the season, roughly. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility, but I would agree. Right now, I think you focus on chipping away at different milestones, right? So right now, we were battling with five hundred. I think the next milestone is to get to where you're consistently winning series again, and then I think you try and push for home field advantage in the wild card. I think with the way that we came out of the gate in the first sixty. 263 games of this season if you can get home field advantage in the wild card in this division 
you're, I mean, that's, you got to figure that's still putting you at 96, 97 wins. I mean, but the way the Rays are playing, it's not unfathomable to think they're going to win over a hundred. So if we, if we end up with home field advantage, that means we're winning mid nineties in games. I'm okay with that, with the way we started, you know, next week's going to be big. We played the A's first, you know, full capacity game in New York, come in there. If you play the A's well, I think that's really and truly a sign that things are maybe turning a corner. This team has tons of issues. Don't get me wrong. It, I mean, they can be masked for a series like they have been here. They can be masked for, I mean, two, three weeks. Something's going to have to change at the deadline. They're, and they say they're big name hunting for a center fielder and maybe some starting pitching. I would love to see that. They said they would consider going to the luxury te- over the luxury tax. That seems like an every year thing where, you know, if it's really a true thing, we'll bring it to Hal's attention. So I don't really believe that. But, you know, if that's true and they go out and get a true piece and they kind of keep playing this brand of baseball instead of what we've seen, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we could win the East. But like I said, go out and get home field advantage in the wild card. And if you're playing the Red Sox or the whoever at home in the Bronx in October with a full crowd with Garrett Cole on the mound, I feel pretty good about your chances going forward. Yeah, I agree. Well Thank said. You. Want to get into hot or not? Yes. So well, this is the first time I've ever had to do both. Yeah. Pressure's Big on. shoes to fill. Yeah. So we're going to start with the hots. For those of you tuning in for the first time, hot or not. Basically, just a short little buy or sell game that we like to play of the current players on the Yankees and how they're doing over the last short term or long term. People that want to shout out or tell you how bad they are. So, <laughs> without further ado, let's get started with Hot or Not. If the sound will play for me, there we go. All right, first on the Hots. Last 10 games for Gary Sanchez 325 batting average, 11 hits, 4 home runs, 9 RBIs. Hot or not? Buying it, buying it or selling it? Tentative buy. Or, well, I will buy, but not to that degree. Get into it. DJ LeMayu over the last six games, 325 batting average, 367 on base, eight hits, two doubles, one homer, four ribbies, bringing his season batting average up to a 262. Buy or sell? 100% buy. Brett Gardner over his last 14 games, 360 batting average, 485 OBP. 800 slugging, slugging, bringing him up to a 1.28 OPS over the last two weeks to the 2.32 WRC plus. Sell to the moon and back. Oh. <laughs> so you said with Gary Sanchez, you were tentative by. You'll leave that toward to the end. You were going to buy DJ for sure. Selling to the moon with Brett Gardner. Explain to me why you tentatively bought Gary because a lot of people in Yankee Land. We put the polls out there. Did OJ do it? <laughs> is water wet? But also, is Gary back? And the, the hard hitting, the stuff. personal catcher stuff. We had to make sure there was a couple other things in there. I wanted to know if you guys are, if you guys are cheese its or cheese nips people. We were, there was a resounding cheese its answer to that. I would argue that cheese nips are also very good, and you should give them a try. But fun fact: a I lot got of people sent up to the office in fourth grade for saying cheese nips. Why? Apparently that's it's, profanity. It is, it's vulgar. It, it's vulgar. I was, I was being a bad kid by saying that. So, 
So with that poll, everybody seemingly, I think it was 80% on both Twitter and on Instagram have said that Gary is back. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think you lean the same way, but I'll let you answer first. I don't look, I'm not saying that he's not back in the sense that he can be a productive player. I don't think he's going to be this good. We all know Gary Sanchez isn't a 300 hitter. Like, come on now. The way he's, I mean, he's playing out of his fucking mind right now. And I think with how streaky he is just in how he has been over his whole career, I think, you know, law of large numbers, he'll come back and regress to the mean, but I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy to think that he could be better than what he is. I think he could be a productive, a consistently productive offensive player. He's shown that he can be. I don't think he can be this good for a sustained period of time. I hope I hope he proves me wrong. I just I don't think that that, that is likely. I mean, on the season now, he's brought his batting batting average up to a two twenty eight, so he's above the Mendoza, which was a big deal for him. I remember before the season started, I shunned him and I wanted him to hit over his body weight. And then I would start, I would start talking about him again. I don't know how much he weighs, but I think he may have done that. I think he's less than 228. He he lost a little bit of weight. So maybe that. Yeah, you're close. You might be able to talk to him. I mean, give him one more hot week. I think he's less than 228. No, he's probably, he's probably, I'll look it up. He's probably right in there. But either way, you looked that up, but I think, I mean, for me, I'm a I'm a big, pretty big Gary. Ooh, he's two thirty. Oh, so maybe after tonight, potentially. Did how do you do tonight? Uh, let me look. I think he's one for three. So that might just do it for him. So maybe he's com- finally got that unshunnedness. Mm, one for four. He's at two twenty nine. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, Gary. But uh, for me personally, I've been I've been probably one of the most hard people on Gary. I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself a Gary. Hater, I'm just a realist, and he's been bad over the last stretch of time. And, you know, he has, me and Andrew did talk about this too, this might be the hottest Gary's been for a stretch of a month because since May 7th, in a 109 plate appearance, he's batting 263 with 142 WRC+, which is very hot for him. I know that's not crazy hot, but that's a large, pretty big sample size since May 7th, and it's... For as streaky of a player as he is, that's that's good to see at the very least that he's hitting 262 with a 142 WRC+. Plus. And another thing to be noted, he isn't just like looking lost at the plate. He's got confidence, and that's huge for him. So that's something that is making me you know, lean a little bit more towards that tentative buy, looking towards the future, hoping that he can consistently keep doing it. Is it enough for me to be like he's back? Not yet, but I think he's 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 on his way, and I think the biggest part of it is the confidence thing, and I think he has it right now. So, you know, before Gary of old, two months ago, last year, he looked absolutely defeated. So, you know, when you when you look at him now, that's that's a good sign for him being able to keep this up. But you know, it's not a, it's not enough him. for me yet. To say he's I would back. love for him to be better defensively. Still, uh, he's made a happen. couple. He's made a couple decent plays in the last few days, but yeah, two pass balls in the past couple days too. He had a ball today that hit him in the fucking face, and it led. Well, to a there run. was one with with King Come that on. was th- that King just threw in the dirt. That wasn't on him, but there was one the other day that was a pass ball. I mean, that's that's not going to change. I think you know we talk about right now or by Memorial Day was you know the team that you are at that point is the team that you are. 
Gary is that kind of defender, and that's just not going to change. It may incrementally change if they, they like they tried to do that, like stealing the low strike thing. I, I don't know. There's there's only so much you can do with a guy who is that abysmal at defense, and you just got to hope the bat plays. And I think you know I, I'm a little I'm, I'm confident in him at least not going back to the point where he was at before. If that's if that's any consolation right now. But my question to you about Gary specifically is. Another poll that I put up on that same topic is, that, do you think the personal catcher situation with Higgy is dead? Uh, like, as in which way? As in that we shouldn't have a personal catcher anymore, or that it, this proves that no matter what, we're going to have it? Well, I think it's been around. I, it's been, it's well, been know, happening. I'm saying, what, and what I'm saying, asking me? Wait, now that dead. Gary is hitting pr- pretty well right now, would you be? I know they asked Boone this too. Like, would you be interested in, you know, having Gary catch Cole starts here and there just to mix it back in? Would you be, if you were Boone, would you have Gary catch the Cole starts? Basically, meaning that he would be the everyday catcher again. Are you done with the personal catcher, or do you still think he should and is going to get his his cold starts and more? I think you should try and work Gary back into it. With with the way he's playing right now, I think it's a no-brainer that you have to at least try. And if if Cole comes out there and he's just not the same pitcher, which, you know, I'm kind of on Damon's side on that one. That's, you know what, you, you just made $324 million. You should be able to throw to whoever the fuck's back there. That's true. But, you know... If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. But I would certainly, I would certainly give Gary a shot again. I think that's a no-brainer. I think you have to. The way you can't take his bat out of the lineup right now. Yeah, especially with the lack of production, it all throughout this lineup for the whole season. You kind of have to, if if there's one bat that's that's playing well and is getting a little bit back to that scary Gary in a in a little in a little capacity, he's he's. Definitely one of the. I mean, the two home runs he's hitting. He's had two home runs in the past two games, in that being in this Blue Jays series, and they've both been the difference on the scoreboard. They were they were both one run games, and one was a big pinch hit home run that literally was the difference in the game. But the one the other day too, if you look back and you take that away, the Yankees don't win that game, or at least it's a different game altogether. So they've been big home runs, not in garbage town, garbage time. You have a gripe? I have a gripe with Statcast. Gripe alert. Gripe alert. Okay, yes. I have a gripe with StatCast. There's just no way in hell that that Gary Sanchez home run went 440 feet. And then you're going to tell me Kevin Biggio's, who he hit at a 90-mile-an-hour exit velo, went 400. Gary Sanchez hit that ball out of the fucking screen. Like, he hit it into the highway. Fix your shit. Fix your shit, Statcast. It's a proper gripe. So I I don't know. I I think that I don't know. Here's the thing with the personal catcher, and here's what this should be kind of framed to. I should have framed it this way, but I just want to see your take today. But like you, you gotta believe one game wild card, which is we just framed it before we opened the show, saying that it's probably gonna be a wild card that we make the playoffs if we're going to make the playoffs, which I do think. I am optimistic, but in all likelihood, the odds are on us being in the wild card game. That's a one game wild card. Garrett Cole will be pitching that game. 
That is the question. Do you have Gary catch that game, one game, winner go home? Or do you have Higgy because he's the personal catcher for, for Garrett Cole? And that's the question. That's why it's kind of a bigger deal to talk about now because it's a situation you have to figure out right now because you're going to need it. Because, like I said, if Gary's playing well offensively, you need that bat in a one-game wild card. Do you want Gary, a good offensive Gary, at the plate in a wild card game, or do you want just an automatic out, so to speak? Because it seems that what not automatic out, but just lackluster offensive production for Higgy. Higgy can get hot, so definitely can get hot at, at times, but that's the question. And what would you do? This is kind of my cheating answer, and then I'll give you the real one. It depends. My, no, it doesn't depend. I ideally, if they're actually working Stanton to play in the field, I think it's I think it's a non issue. I think. I think you DH Gary, you catch Higgy and it's an, but I mean, the more realistic thing, I think in that scenario, you have to, I guess you, I guess you have to play Higgy. And if it started tomorrow, you, you have to do that just cause you can't afford to take any drop off in Cole's production. You just, you can't. Agreed. I don't know. I mean, the numbers it. haven't been unbelievable when Higgy was, was behind the dish, but that could be for a number of factors. That could be the sticky stuff, stuff shit. That could be the personal catcher thing. That could be him going through just a, a low time. I don't know. It could be anything, but it's just something to that's definitely going to be a topic of conversation. This personal catcher conversation is not going away today. It's not going away tomorrow. It's absolutely going to be a co- topic of conversation on October 1st when we're in the wild card game. So is it on October 1st? It's the first of October, right? Not every year, no. Uh, it's probably going to be whatever. I don't know. It was October 3rd when we played the A's. I think that was the last wild card we played. That was the single game one. So do with that what you may. So I actually remember that vividly. So just to, you know, little so, punch for you. So, 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 so. So, so. I think we're both on the same page that DJ, I wouldn't even say that he's back. I would say that he never really left. He just had a little, I mean, two months is, is a long time dry spell for him but I had no doubts that he would be back to the way he is and you know he's got his batting average back up to 262 which is not great by any any means but he has like I said over the last six games at least been batting 325 he's been doing the thing he had the leadoff home run he's just he's, he's doing the DJ thing again and I hope he can continue to keep that going and for for the Yankees sake offensively too if he's producing he is we've said this before he is the lightning rod he keeps his offense going he gets this offense started and that's a large part of the reason why the offense has not been great because he sets the table for judge judge gets him in that's just how it works Stan's going to be playing hopefully every day we mentioned before briefly that you know marley rivera tweeted that he is is what, what was the exact tweet he said Giancarlo Stan said that he is building his body back up to start playing the outfield, expects to be ready early July. Stan stated that his main goal was to not be out of the lineup in the next interleague series. The next interleague series is against the Marlins, coincidentally, his former team. Uh-oh. So maybe there's a little, you know, hometown fire, a little bit of extra that he wants to show the people. But, you know, we were talking about this last episode that he needs to play in the outfield. If he doesn't play in the outfield, we, we've seen it in games earlier today and earlier different games and not earlier today earlier this season where he gets benched because there's no dh if we're playing who are we playing that he got benched for uh 
The Phillies? That was in the Phillies. Series. Yeah, he didn't Phillies. play. He didn't play game. the. Oh, hello. <laughs> For the YouTube crowd, my cat just decided to join the show. Bronx Pinstripes YouTube, go check it out. Um, but for the Phillies series, he didn't even play a single game, and that's that's not good. And if let's say we do make it, everything goes right, and we make it to the World Series, that's some, that's an issue. We need him to be playing the outfield, and like we do with many things, we spoke it into existence, and he's working towards getting back to the outfield. I think he can do it. I think the Yankees were trying to protect their investment. They know they fucked up with the contracts. They're trying to keep him healthy by doing the scheduled off days and everything like that. You don't have that luxury anymore, and I've said that before. I'll say it again. That was something that you could do when you assumed you were just going to waltz into the playoffs and win games without Stanton playing every single day and you keep him healthy for the playoffs. You've lost that luxury. You need to go 60 and 30 the rest of the way to even compete for the division. You need him to just – you need to get some tread on those tires. You need to just throw him out there and let him get hurt. If he gets hurt, so be it. At least you gave him a chance to play and show that he could be healthy rather than assuming that he's going to get hurt and just not giving him that that opportunity. You have to literally let him do it. That. Just go out and let him get hurt. If he gets hurt, so be it. I stand by that he'll be healthier by playing every day in the outfield. That's true, too, his, yeah. His healthiest season as a Yankee, he played in the field. 2018, yeah. Yeah, he played while Judge was hurt that entire year. I think it was like his oblique shit that he missed literally like 105 games. And Stanton played like 158, and he played in right field with a hurt hammy every single night. And that was the best, his best year as a Yankee. He would look good in the field. I just, I don't get it. That's what he did in Miami where he was MVP caliber every single year. I don't understand. I get where they're coming from, that they wanted to protect him and put him in a DH role, and he fits that with his build, but I I just think it was a mistake from the beginning to try and take him out of that role. I, I just don't get it. No. I, I said it. it then, and, and I'll say it yeah. until the end of his contract. I mean, listen, it's because of the injury stuff, but I'm I'm so done with that. Like, you can't just assume people are going to get hurt. I know there's it's a fair assumption to a degree because he's, it's been, he's been getting hurt and all that stuff, but at some point, you got to just put the fucking – just put let the universe decide. You have to just – you can't just play scared like that and be cautious about it. Otherwise, he's play, he's going to play half the games and not due to injury. It's just because of just keeping him from getting injured. At some point, you just got to let him fucking go. Let his body get – like he, he even said himself he's trying to get build up the strength. The only way to build up the strength, like you said, is to let him fucking play. So that's my gripe with that. I'm not going to play the sound, but I've had a gripe with that for a long time dating back to when we started this damn podcast, and I'll keep talking about it because I think he can fucking play outfield, and I think he can play it well. He's a good defender. He played, used to play every day in Miami. He played at near a lot of games, like you said, in 2018, arguably his best year. I, I, I don't think he's... I don't think he likes to be a DH, and I, I we've said it before. I think he's going to start to get pissed that he's getting these off days because he wants to... He's a, he's a competitor. He was, he's an MVP player. He wants to go out and win. He wants to go out and play. And you think he enjoys sitting on the pine? No, he doesn't. So, last thing, you sold the shit out of Gardner. I don't even think that that warrants talking more about it. I just wanted to highlight how hot he has been in the last two oh, weeks. He's been, he's been playing well. And and you know what? Maybe this is what we'll say about this. I don't expect that to continue to that capacity. He's got a 1.3 almost OPS. But... If he is playing well, 
he's always going to play a pretty good outfield. He's going to field his position well. He may have a noodle arm, but he can field the position pretty well. If he's not a useless body, the worst offensive player on uh, in the MLB out there, that helps the team. We need the depth. We need the play in the outfield. He's going to get opportunities, especially if Clint's not playing well. I know he had that he had that that big RBI in the other game, but you know this is a good thing. As much as we like to shit on Gardner, this is a good thing. We're happy that he's playing like this, but I don't expect it to continue to this degree. Hopefully, in some capacity, he's he's playing well. But I just wanted to highlight how how well he's been playing over this stretch because we would get the Guardy supporters up in our DMs, up in arms if we didn't mention him. Can I can I add one person to the hot list for you? Sure, Aaron Boone. Three straight games, he's made a good pinch hitting decision. He made the call to pinch hit uh, the first game, and then brought in Tyler Wade to run. He ended up scoring. And then Gary yesterday, and then today, <clears throat> you figure he would have probably brought, brought in Clint, and he brought in Chris Gittens, who had the amazing at bat, worked the count, and then the oppo, um, the oppo single to drive in too in the seventh. You buying it? Are you removing him from the hot seat? I mean, no, his job's gone unless he wins the <laughs> World Series. It's true. <laughs> His so job, what are we saying then? Is that what you're, are you asking me if I'm buying that he's a good manager? No, I'm not buying no, that. I'm I'm selling say, that. Are you buying that he is improving as a manager, or did he just get lucky with I three? broke clocks right twice a day, and I think he made a decision that ended up, <laughs> ended up panning out. I think he – I mean, dude, he got bailed out by – like that. if, if Gittens doesn't do that or Clint doesn't hit that, that RBI, like then, we're, then we're having a different conversation saying that – you know, Boone made a shitty decision. Why didn't you pinch it X, Y, Z? And at the end of the day, the manager only has so much of a so much of an influence on it. So a lot of people will point the finger at Boone if that were to go wrong. Say like, hey, it's more the same of you being a bad manager because you know it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. He has been making bad managerial decisions in those situations. So you can point the finger because he's been wrong so often. But I don't know. I don't think this makes me think he's any better of a manager i think i'm excited that role players are you know coming through like that but no that doesn't sell me on him yeah no no i i agree i just wanted to bring it up because i thought it was just it that is crazier to me than winning a sweep is the fact that uh he made that many good calls in a row and they all panned out yeah one thing that obviously not on the like hot list but We've talked about Tyler Wade before. He got the start today at second base. Um, I, I've said something before that, and all the time, about this is the reason why we were the leaders of the Tyler Wade fan club for a little bit. We're off that train, but the fact that he plays such good defense, he can run and all that stuff, that is a reason why, you know, we always say if his offense was even average or adequate, then he'd be a very important piece of this team. And this season... He has a 250 batting average, which league average this year is around 240 something. So it's that high. I know batting average isn't isn't all that, but he's at least average with the batting, with the stick in his hands for the small sample size he has had. And he is very important on the base paths. He's very important defensively, although he just airmailed that double play today. I'll let him have that one, but just something I wanted to point out. And 
Do you want? I know Voigt's coming back soon, and that problem is just going to be gone once he comes back because then Odor or Wade won't get starts at second. DJ will move back to second, and everything will be right with the world again when Voigt comes back. But until then, for these next few games in Oakland, because I think Voigt is supposed to come back. I have it written down here. I think it's uh, next or this weekend. Voigt is expected to be back off the aisle Sunday or Tuesday. So I guess they're just being cautious with him considering he came off the IL and went right back on it once. So we're going to be cautious with him like we are with everybody. But with that being said, until that, would you rather see would you rather see Wade or Odor at second? So now actually, knowing that he's a relatively average in a small sample size header. I think his weighted runs career plus was like 79. So he's a little bit below average also. But I, I don't know. I would. Uh, Odor hasn't been good either. So no, no, no. Odor's been awful, and I'm gonna pick Odor. And Ooh. I'm kicking myself in the ass for it, but it's for one reason, and that's because as of late, there's been one guy that's been hyping up the team in every scenario possible, whether he's playing or on the bench, and it's Odor. Every time there's a home run, you see a bald head with a sweatband fucking leaping over the fence. He's going fucking crazy for that team. So, you know what? I don't think you're taking a step down either way because Tyler Wade is not. He, I mean, he looked like dog shit tonight, let's be honest. And he's not a good hitter. I don't no. care what his. I don't care that he has a 250 batting average. No, I just wanted to bring that up. I mean, how many at bats does he have? Like 20? And he's got like three bunt hits, which I'm not taking away from because nobody on this team can bunt successfully. But, I mean, he's got like three bunt hits and. He's he's got a handful of like singles and he plays pretty below average shortstop. Okay, second base. He's he's fast. People love him because he's fast and he has the cool slides. And that's the bottom line. And he's pretty. <laughs> well said. All right, want to get into the knots? Yeah, I choose Odor. Okay, now I'm ready. Let's see if that sound will play. All right. <laughs> First on the knot list. Is Chris Kittens over the last 14 days? He's had 19 plate appearances, not counting tonight because I calculated these before that. But with 11 weighted runs created plus, that is not good. A .059 batting average, a 158 OBP, and his first homer. Congrats, golf club on that. But buying or selling? You worried about Chris Kittens, or are you not worried? You say fuck it, whatever. I, I don't. I don't think it matters. Just thought I'd bring it up there and give him a little bit of a golf club. Next uh, on the uh, list. Uh, I'll, I'll sell it then because good for him. He's 27, hit his first home run in the big leagues. And I don't think he's – I think if you let him up there, he wouldn't be that bad. But, you know, I, it all it's all for nothing. Boyd's going to be back in a week. And even if he wasn't, you're still he's still a bench bad. Mike Ford makes <laughs> cracks the knot list just because, I mean, man, you get traded to the, to the Rays for 100000 bucks. That's a Venmo transaction. I like, probably got gave like vending machine credit or something like that. Just that he's he, he's like, making the not list for that, and because he's been garbage all year. So this is like the final the farewell. Yeah, it's the final farewell not list. Uh, so, yeah, no, to, uh, totally buy that. You know, so, I am the biggest Mike Ford hater ever. So tip the cap. Good riddance. See you later. Thanks for the memories. 
Thanks uh, for the mem- memory. The Yankees pitching one. over the last 14 days. 29th in strikeouts per nine. 24th in ERA. 27th in expected FIP. 9th most runs allowed. Mm, tentative buy the same way with as <laughs> Gary. <sighs> and also honorable mention was the Yankees offense, but we've been talking about them forever because it seems like good. it seems exactly. So in in our eyes, they're, they're doing well, but in the last seven days, they're still 29th in BABIP 25th in batting average, 16th in WRC plus and 10th in strikeout percentage. So even the, even We're them coming alive, that's fine. I know. I'm just saying, just want to mention even them coming alive isn't the best. And what we talked about before, the reason why I wanted to, to nail the the pitching is because the pitching has been, you know, best in baseball for the first month or so, and then we always said this is hiding a lot of the underlying issues with the Yankees because if they start pitching not like the best team and the best pitching team in baseball, we're gonna start losing games because we're winning games like two one and like two nothing and one nothing and all that. And it was hiding the underlying offensive issues, and now that the pitching is pretty pretty damn bad over the last fourteen days. I know small, albeit small sample size, but it, it's there's no shock as to why we started losing games, and hopefully that picks back up. Maybe that's a spider tag thing. So that's the last 14 days. So maybe everybody caught. I guess our team was the most used. <laughs> the, we we're using the most sticky stuff out of the entire MLB, but that's just something to be noted there. I mean, I think it's a combination of things for that, and that's why I kind of tentatively bought it with the Gary thing. I don't think they're as good as they were at the beginning of the season, and I don't think they're as bad as they are now, but factor in, you know, Debbie is basically, you know, a dead racehorse in AAA. Like, he's yeah, down he's there. Bad. He's got 70 RA in AAA. Kluber's gone he's hurt with his no, shoulder I, I thought he was coming back soon oh no 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 he is but he's been gone for this and then you never know how that's going to come back he didn't come back from it last year he had one start and then you know you've got michael king starting and then just normal regression from the other pitchers that aren't throwing you know seven innings one run ball anymore it makes sense i'm gonna get the arm loose dude please do Go out there. I bet I bet you threw some nasty innings in high school baseball. I taught myself a knuckleball back in the day. That's what everybody who Unlike doesn't most throw harder people, than like 82 does. No, I threw pretty good. I threw the gas. I was always shorter than everybody, so I just I learned to use the whole body. I guarantee if I kept pitching, I would have absolutely had Tommy John at some point. So maybe maybe glad that's what that's what cut the career that's what cut it off just the 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 potential threat of having tommy john i just couldn't do it wouldn't be able wouldn't wouldn't be able to have an elongated career in the uh in the accounting field yeah you can't pitch scared can't pitch scared can't give Stanton off days just can't do it it all ties it all ties what were we saying i don't know basically just that our pitching is not good but they're not this bad no, I, and I expect him to come back, but yeah. I mean, you toss in a few starts too, like Tyone not getting an out. Tyone stinks. That that inflates it. Also, just one thing while we're talking about pitching, I would I want the people that every time Cole throws a ball, they're like, "Oh, he doesn't fucking need spider tech, does he, dumbasses?" Can you guys shut the fuck up? Yeah, he's fine. PSA. His two games back, he's that like, sounds like a gripe. It is a huge gripe. It's so fucking annoying. Also, on the pitching note, 
Severino it has been sent back. He's got a grade two groin strain, which will push his rehab back about a month. Timetable is probably around August when he will return. That means end of August or early September. <sighs> he was supposed to be that, that horrible saying, which is my least favorite saying in the world, which is, you know, he was going to be that trade deadline acquisition that the Yankees would get, which is just not the case. He's been a trade deadline that we've been hearing that for so long with specifically Luis Severino, but they say that for a lot of people, but Sevi is just always hurt. So <laughs> he's just always been that trade deadline acquisition. I don't like that. I hate that saying, but now, now I think this, this setback is one devastating. I'm very upset about it. And he was looking great also. So I, I'm just happy at least, you know, silver lining, it wasn't his arm. So it was a, a separate thing, which is a, could be a good thing if you look at it that way. But it also could be a bad thing as like, oh, he's just getting hurt all over. Like what's what's going to be next? But with uh, with this, you know, I think this all but eliminates the possibility that he's going to be a rotation piece coming in. I think this this all but says he's going to be when he comes back and if he comes back, he will be coming out of the bullpen, I think, is my my thought process on this. I don't think that's necessarily true, and that's because when he was hurt in 2019, I think it was 2019. Yeah, that was yeah. before his Tommy John. So so 2019, he came back in September, had his tune-up games, and he'd started a couple playoff games for us. He didn't go deep into the games. He had like two times through the order. But he started some games. And with the way our rotation is, our rotation's in shambles right now. You have Cole and then a bunch of question marks. Kluber is going to be pitching, you know, off of a shoulder he's already hurt. He re-injured it. Hasn't thrown in two years either. Him and Sevy are basically plus or minus a few starts on the same ground injury wise. And then behind that, you've got Tyone who fucking has just been awful. Mike King. And then Domingo, who will, as it is right now, will slide, he'll, you know, slide right into the two spot. If the playoffs were to start, I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could get him starting a playoff game in a long series. If he's in the rotation, if that even happens, you know you're not getting. He's gonna. Let's say they say August. I'm gonna go out and assume September. Well, September first is gonna be here, right? Plus or minus yeah. a week or so. I, I don't. Well, he's supposed to come back late July now, so mid August, maybe if we're lucky. But you know how well, Yankee, me, you, know, you, rather... you know how Yankee injuries go and how they fuck up the timelines all the time. So I, as a Yankee fan who has PTSD, I'm gonna assume September, putting him a month out of the playoffs. If we do make it, if that's the case, dude, he's not, if he is a starter, let's say he is a starter, he's not going to go more than he's going to, he has a month to build up the stamina to go. He's going to give us max four innings every time he goes out. He'll also have a month of rehab starts before that. So, and I'm just saying, don't build up the stamina. You build up in real games though. Would you rather have, say it's game four and you know, the CS and you don't want to pitch Cole on short rest or anything like that. And you got to choose between Sevy, who he came back and he looked really good, but he can't give you six innings, or Montgomery, who's a wild card. He could get shelled, or he could give you, you know, six or seven innings. What are you taking? I think it's a no brainer. You pick Sevy. If their stats are remotely similar and he looks like 
anything close to what he should be, I think it's an absolute no-brainer that you throw him out there over Montgomery. Which is your I next best about option. Montgomery, to be honest. Um, you know what it does tell me, though? I think we can agree on this. We, what we thought we had when Sebi was coming back was there's you know, we, there were so many pitchers in this rotation that were at the beginning of the year when they were pitching their absolute dicks off. We were like, oh, we have so much depth because we assumed you know some of the depth pieces are you know when Domingo he's one of those uh, Tyone we assumed would be good Devi we assumed would be a part of it Clark Schmidt we assumed would be a part of it we assumed Sevy would be coming back halfway through not in September or August you know we we looked like we had so much depth but this this injury this setback to to Sevy along with Devi being bad along with Tyone being bad like I just mentioned before and Clark Schmidt working his way back. I, I think, you know, we got to get more help in in the pitching department. Even uh, if it's it, a two it, or three starter. If it's like, I, I'm looking at guys like Kyle Gibson, who's going to be on the market. He's from the, from the, I think he's in the Rangers, right? Yeah. So he's, he's having a nice year. He would be a nice depth piece. I'm looking at guys similar to that as just, we need, we need the help. It's, I'd rather have the help than not. I mean, it's just, that's obvious. I don't Thank you. Thanks for being so fucking obvious, Luke. But like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think it's, we need exactly that. We thing, need to right? be that. We need to be that like obvious with it because I don't think the front office knows that. Like they're like, oh, we're fine the way we are. Like we aren't. Tyone, you need a one year. Do you want to see Tyone? Right yeah. Do you want to see Tyone in a fucking playoff game? No, I don't. Do I think we're gonna get Scherzer? Probably not. Would I love it? Absolutely. But I don't think that I want to see Tyone out there. I don't want to see. I'm starting to feel a little bit of confidence in Montgomery in a playoff game. I know we did that against the Rays last time. He kind of. He had a, a nice start that time, but like I don't want to see Devi. I don't want to see Tyone. I don't want to see dude. Sevy hasn't had great playoff starts. His playoff ERA is very bad. He's been shaky in the playoffs. That's Notorious, though. Notoriously not a great playoff pitcher. And you know, until proven otherwise, I'm gonna stick to my guns, and that's how I'm gonna feel going into a Sevy start on that morning when Sevy is penciled in as the starter on the bump that day. Are you gonna tell me you're confident? You're lying if you say you're 100% confident. Uh, I'm not 100% confident in anybody on this team other than Cole. But I feel whenever Sevy's on the mound, I feel conf- as confident as I would as if he was the ace, a regular ace, I guess. Because Cole is not a regular ace. He's otherworldly. He's top tier on the planet. I feel as confident with Sevy in any start that he makes as I would your run-of-the-mill ace of a staff. DeGrom is top tier of the planet. DeGrom is fucking unbelievable. Did you see that? And not to make this about the Mets a little bit, but I was watching uh, when Cole and him were on at the same time, I was at a bar, a happy hour celebrating uh, my two weeks notice in my job, but we were sitting there and uh, Cole on one TV, DeGrom on the other and both, both doing well. But man, DeGrom just fuck. He got hurt that game, but DeGrom is fucking good. And then he comes out and then he hits the RBI too. He has a 400 batting average and like a one dot something OPS. It's ridiculous what he does for for the Mets. He's he's, he's absolutely in the MVP conversation. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And you know what? The thing is, he threw three innings. But he still racked up stats. He threw three yeah. perfect innings and struck out eight of the nine batters. Yeah, you know, my buddy had the over in the strikeouts for the game. I think it was eight and a half because he got it late after, I, I don't know. So he got, he got a, a live line, and he was so excited. And then when he got pulled right at eight, he was so mad. It was crazy. That's the only way he wasn't hitting that prop bet was if he was literally taken off, off the field. If he got hurt in the yeah. third inning. Yeah. 
if he had stayed one more inning, he would have finished with 10. Yeah. So what else did we want to talk about? We wanted to talk about, we mentioned uh, Cole talking about the sticky stuff, but since we've talked about it last time, he had that bad interview the first time when he just didn't answer. He just like, uh, uh, but he has since said some stuff and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Also, the Glasnow comments are pretty relevant. He was pretty animated about that. I'm sure everybody listening has seen that already. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to play those comments because I don't have them queued up. We probably should we have played gotten on the last those. one, I'm pretty sure. The Glasnow comments? Yeah. I don't think so, but... I'm like 98% sure we did. I don't know, but he, he brought some interesting things to light with this whole situation. I know everybody's beating a dead horse on it, and there's been some good points that have been brought out since about the whole situation. And one thing that I did notice, when, I think, that I resonated a lot with, not resonated, like I, I thought was very interesting... Was in Dallas Braden. I don't know if you've seen his comments on the on the matter, Mm-mm. but he was saying that like you know, you look in the in the on deck circle at all of these guys. Every every batter has multiple different items or substances that can give them grip on their tool of choice, their bat. You know, like they they get pine tar, they get pine tar spray, they get batting gloves, they get this that and the third to get grip on their their tool. But why does the pitcher not? able to get grip on his tool. He, he needs to do the same job on his side, and all they get is rosin, and rosin reduces the moisture on your hand. And if the ball is already dry because it is rubbed in dirt and all that shit, and to, to top it all off, like they're messing with the baseballs and making the seams lower, which is harder to grip to, all that combined, you need to be using something. So I don't know if the solution is, you know, having some kind of substance that is allowed to be used that isn't quite as sticky as spider tack or something like that, that is like an allowed thing. It's on the mound next to the rosin or something. Maybe that's something that the league has to do. They got the work cut out for them, but it's certainly not just like, I'm on the side of the pitchers as like, you can't just say, don't do this anymore because everybody's been doing this for a long time. And we've spoken about this at length that like we just now have the ability to track it. So I don't know. I just think it's for safety concerns too. You have to think about that. You want the pitchers to have grip so you don't throw at players. You know, we have enough people throwing at players intentionally. You don't want the unintentional grip slip. And you know, when you have guys, when you have guys like Glasnow and Cole coming out talking about how you feel very different. That's not just like have having Mike Fires come out and say like, "Hey, it's tough to pitch without sticky shit" because he sucks. Like it's when you have the Cy Young candidates, the Cy Young front runners saying hey we need this shit that resonates because they're actually good like they they're the on the forefront of pitchers in the MLB right now that carries a lot of weight when they say that you know I, I don't know I, I'm on the side of the pitchers I don't know about you no 100% I don't think the uh, bat comparison is really the same thing because you know yeah gripping the bat and gripping a baseball. It's a lot easier to manipulate a baseball. I get that, but you can't, ch- I, I, I kind of like where Bauer comes from on that. You can't change and glass. Now you can't change in the middle of the se- in the yeah, middle of the season, just true. cut it off cold Turkey. If you do it, you're suspended. There has to be some sort of guidelines for it. If you want to police it, that's fine. Do it in the off season or make a list of what's acceptable, which I don't know how you expect the umpires to police it either way. You think the umpire knows the difference between fucking spider tack and no. pine tar or rosin and 
sunscreen, whatever it is. They don't know the difference. I think it's dumb as shit to do that in the middle of the season. I think making a move that drastic takes time. You're going to have to come out with one substance that's basically like pine tar for a bat, and you're going to have to make it a league-wide thing that's readily available and easy to see and spot to police it. And that you can't do that overnight. Rob Manfred's a fucking moron. The dude, I yeah, drives me absolutely insane. Did you see Carlos Rodon's interview about it? No, what he said from the White Sox. Oh, he was just like, man, he's, he's like, this is just fucking ridiculous. He's like, I don't know how you can not suspend the Astros, who, who you know literally cheated their way to a World Series, oh, but yeah. you're gonna tell me it's that. True. He's like, but you're gonna tell me in the middle of the season that I can't grip the baseball like I have been my entire career and I'm going to get suspended more than them. That's saying, yeah, that's saying they, they've said that before. I forget about it. something else. Like any little instance where punishments are doled out, that's going to keep rearing its head. And everybody who gets the punishment is going to say, Oh, and you didn't give the Astros a punishment for cheating, openly cheating. And that's going to keep happening. And that's just a blunder on the MLB's behalf. And they're going to, everybody's going to be like any, literally any little punishment that's given out to anybody is going to be like, why didn't the Astros get, punishment but i do no for, it doesn't it for spitting does seeds on the field or something <laughs> that'll be going on until manfred retires gets fired by you know whoever gets run out of town i he should have resigned immediately after that got came out in my opinion let's go to and our let's go to our first phone call mind. we got some voicemails calling calling to the voicemail line 914-469-2168 we got some good phone calls and we want to keep them moving, so keep them calling. Make sure you mention your name, where you're calling from, so we can shout you out. We also love to hear where you're calling from because it's fun. We want to see how how wide uh, our audience is, so it's fun to see that. We got some from Puerto Rico. That was always fun. So first caller is calling about, I guess we'll find out, for Ryan from Massachusetts. Higgy retaining his hello Ryan from Massachusetts calling in um, recently saw you guys pull about Higgy retaining his spot as the personal catcher um, and I guess this is more of a general comment about the sudden shift from Gary Sanchez love to hate to love to hate to love that the fan base seems keen on doing um, I think it's pretty clear that Higgy's got a stick where he is, we have seen again and again Gary's ability to pull off some pretty impressive two-week, three-week, sometimes a month-long stands where he hits 300, 350, hits eight home runs in a month, and plays a good game. And then every fucking time he disappoints and goes on a three-month skid where he strikes out 40% of the time he comes to the plate, his 230 average goes well below 200, and we think that we should have let him go, which seems to be the case as 80% of the time he's in his slumps. Um, also, round odor for team captain. Thank you for your service. What was that last part? I think he said uh, odor for team captain. I mean that plays with what you were saying. He's a big, he's a big uh, Dude, he's locker a room man. guy. He's the locker room guy that Murph always talks about. But I, I mean, we talked about this already, Ryan. But we will talk about it again for a little bit. And I do, I do agree with you in the sense that the fan base is quick to be like, "Oh, he's back," 
And and that was that was the reason why I brought it up before is like I don't think he's back. I think he's just doing exactly what he always does, and that's why I need to see it for a more consistent period of time. I need to for him to be back. I need to see him do this from the from here on out to the for the rest of the year. Like I need I need something that I haven't already seen before. I I've seen him be streaky like this before. It's been done. I want to see him do it consistently. It doesn't need to be at the level that he's at right now, just tearing the cover off the ball every day. Just hit, like I said, hit 260 from here on out, and I will be a very, very happy man. Just do it very, maybe not even 260. Hit like 250 and just don't be having those those periods of time where he strikes out every at-bat and looks lifeless. Like That's what I would consider Gary being back. And I think that saying alone is is unfair to say because he has this unrealistic expectation to be doing what he did in 2017 when he came up. And that's why I don't ever think he's truly back if that's what you're asking about him. But in terms of the the league, the catcher position is very lackluster offensively. So if he's even at it, he's, he's definitely up there. And that's the argument for Gary supporters is like, he's, he's up there in offensive production since he's been in the league. And that's true, but he's also going through those, those lulls where he's playing pretty terrible. So in my in my opinion, I would do away with the is he back conversation, but I would I would instead say is he is he just is he not horrible? Like is he not the yeah. worst? And that's I mean I want I him to be see. average enough to not have this personal catcher conversation. How about that? That's what I want. If you're good enough, Gary, to stave off Kyle Higashioka, then <laughs> that's that's what you need to do and that's what I hope you can do. And that's what I will be impressed by at the end of this year. If we look back and do the season review episode, hopefully in Vegas, like you say, if we win the World Series, we'll have the Vegas episode. I hope we look back and say Gary was able to stave off Kyle Higashioka. The only thing Which I've ever like asked for Gary Sanchez is consistency. I don't care if it's a consistent 240 with 30 home runs. I feel like that's a pretty good season for him. I feel like that's about what we expect sorry yeah. about the sneeze okay i'm good um so that's what we want is like 240 30 home runs be that power bat that's the supposed to be the middle of the order guy and play adequate defensively don't have the lazy mistakes no. which i know people say he's not lazy i'm not saying he's lazy in general I, that's neither here nor there i'm not having that argument right now this isn't a shit on enemy he's been great but you he makes lazy mistakes like the shit today where he just flails his glove up at the ball. That's right at his face. It knocks off and it ends up costing a run. Cut that shit out, play consistent offensively. And I'm happy. That's it. I don't want a month of 300 and then a month of 100 and then up and down and up and down and up and down. Cause there's just no, that's, that's, I don't know. Agreed. That doesn't help the team. Let's get to the next phone call. Alex in San Diego. Hey, what's good, boys? My name is Alex. I'm in San Diego, California. And uh, I know we just took two games from the Jays. Nail biters, both of them. Three. But I'm still freaking scratching my head over the comments about Cashman saying that he slept on the same bed as Boone. (laughs) I know it's kind of sus in New York, especially with the fact that Aaron Boone is still the manager. So I just don't know what's going on, man. But, I mean, I'm not getting my hopes up or anything we've won a couple games we've won a couple series a lot of times this year and then we go and fucking get swept by the tigers i don't know man i still think fucking boone cashman should get the hell out of new york 
And if it weren't for the 2017 piece of shit Astros, we'd still have Girardi, and I'm pretty sure we'd be way closer to a ring than we've been with Boone. Aside from that, just had to vent that out there. Much love from San Diego. Keep doing your thing, boys. Appreciate the call, Alex. Appreciate the support from San Diego. Go yeah, I mean, good. fuck yourself, San Diego. No, I'm kidding, Ron Burgundy. But, uh, yeah, no, good appreciate the call. Good for you for being a Yankees fan when you have Tatis right down the road. Well, that's you. new. That's new. He, he, he didn't make that decision now. I'm sure he's a little I'm bit just, upset I'm just this saying, year. But, man. yeah. No, yeah. I'm sure he hears it from his friends in, uh, in San Diego there. But thank you for the call, Alex. Uh, if you guys want to call in, 914-469-2168. Give us a call. Maybe he'll answer. I don't know. Who knows? But, uh, yeah. What are your thoughts? Oh, me. You, gotcha. yeah, the other person yeah, on the yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I just zoned out there, but still feeling the effects of my invincibility shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much agree with that. For I think unless you win a World Series this year, I don't care if they make the playoffs. I really don't care if they make the DS. I don't care if they make the championship series, which I don't think they will. I, I, something has to change. You can't just keep running the same shit back every single year. We've been saying it for a while now. We said it last year, too. It's the definition of did, insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. We've been doing it every year since 2017. I, Cashman's resume isn't as good as people think, and I know people are starting to nitpick it more now, and he'll always have his supporters for trades like the Voight trade and Talkman when he was good on the next man up team and all that shit, but I, he doesn't have Dick to show for his time here outside of the 2009 World Series. The other ones weren't his teams. I, I think it starts there. I really do. I don't think Boone is the right manager for this team, regardless of how they're doing. And like I said, he's gone at the end of the year, no matter what, unless he wins a World Series. So I'm not worried about that. I think if Hal has the balls to fire Cashman, I think that's where you – I think that's step one in the right direction of changing the identity of this team. Because, like I said, regardless of the outcome of the season, unless it's a World Series, I, I want to see a shakeup in this team and the identity of it, the philosophy of it, because the brand of baseball they're playing right now is just that's just not what gets you to the big game. It's not. Doesn't get you to the dance. No, Let's sir. go to our next caller. The yeah, a little bit of optimism. Edwin Reyes from Huntsville, Alabama. Diehard Yankees fan down here. Family's from New York. Man, I love what the season's going on, the ups and downs. I really think this team is going to get it together. Offense looks like it's starting to click a little bit. The ball's about to be a little bit jetting with all this uh, spin rate going down. I think the uh, the uh, murderer's row is about to be back pretty soon, dude. Um, MVP year for Judge to stay healthy. Hopefully Stanton can get healthy and play the outfield. Other than that, I see our rotation still being solid back behind uh, Garrett. Um, go Yankees, man. I'll let you guys. Go Yankees, man. Holla at you. Didn't catch the name. What was the name? I didn't hear it. Either way, I appreciate the call for sure. I was I was locked in on the on the Huntsville, Alabama. I was like, oh, shit, I actually know a place that's kind of uh, remotely close to where I'm from. So got excited. That is exciting. I do love the optimism. So, I mean, listen, if the boys get back buzzing, I, I I am confident that they can figure it out offensively. There's too much talent on the team. I mean, it's $200 million for the payroll. Like, the team, the talent is there. And I had this this crazy uh, Pepe Silvio-like theory that 
Pepe Silvia reference to Always Sunny. I'm sure you got that. For those listening, if you didn't get that, it's, it's a scene where the the gif with with Charlie with like the the murder thing all over the wall. Like just it's it, I'm I'm it's just, it's a conspiracy. But here's my theory. I guess this is a, a rounding third, if you will. I will. Which we haven't done in a while. We should do those again. Um, here's my rounding third. I think this Yankees team. Since we're playing so bad, I think the ba- I think playing bad, this is obviously under the assumption that we make the playoffs. Let's say we make the playoffs, we figure it out, the bats get going. I think because we were so bad before the deadline, we were forced to have the front office, Cashman, Hal Steinbrenner, were forced to buy more players at the deadline than they were planning on doing. Like, they're, they're, they're doing it out of panic. They're doing it out of, like, oh, you know, we just heard Cashman say that he hasn't ruled out going over the luxury tax, which isn't really his decision. It's the Steinbrenner's decision. But that being said, this pressure that has been forced upon the Yankees by playing bad wouldn't have happened if we were playing normal baseball. And then come playoff time, the team is going to be way different. These are two alternate universes. Let's say like we were playing relatively good baseball, not as much fire under their ass right now as it is now because we're playing so bad, we're forced to literally just stack up on players. Now, let's say we do stack up on players, go over the luxury tax, get a Scherzer or somebody, whatever the fuck it is, Cattell Marte and Scherzer, go over the top, do it because you don't want to be the laughing stock anymore. You were the World Series favorite, and then you came in and did this shit. So you go over the top, and then combine that with the players on the team that were on the team, $200 million payroll, turn it around like they should because they're talented. Now that team in October is now way deeper and has a lot more assets because you were forced to buy versus the team that played average if not adequate, and then you make it to the playoffs either in both scenarios, and then you just don't have those added players that you were forced to buy. So my theory is that it's honestly... If it if we do make the playoffs, it's a good thing that we were so bad to start because we were forced to, we would be forced to buy a lot. I know that's a long winded answer, but I think if you put your your tinfoil hat on, that's a potentially uh, good thing for the Yankees. If they, I kind of like that, right? Kind of like that, right? I mean, it makes sense. It would take clip, it would take Hal Steinbrenner clip to that. actually you know loosen the purse strings a little bit. That's what like I'm I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I kind of like the idea. I think Cashman is realistically working for his job here, if not this season, in the next two seasons or so. I think the pressure's on him to get a deal done, and I think if he gets the opportunity to go over the luxury tax, why not go get Cattell Marte and Scherzer? Why not? I'm I'm gonna be on the opt. I'm gonna play optimism card for once because i'm usually a really pessimistic dick all the time about this team if i see what you're saying though because if we came out here and we were meddling through just hanging out you know top of the division by like a game they're just gonna be like yeah we we believe in our team we're good enough yeah well no that you're gonna get this line we believe in our team we're already on top of the division and we have trade deadline reinforcements coming in sevy voight and whoever the fuck else is hurt, make a list. O'Day. O'Day. The best, re- yep, stopper best of the year. Baseball, yeah. Cy Young. That's candidate. all I'm saying. I'm saying he's now forced to add assets that he wouldn't have otherwise. And if those assets that he already had 
end up playing back the way they were supposed to. Now you have a real good team. You know, now you have a Death Star. If a lot of things go your way. And that's also assuming that you haven't dug yourself into a hole that was already too deep to get out of, which may be the case potentially. So a lot, of, a lot has to go right, but I'm saying don't be shocked if you sit down on your couch in October. This team makes a wild card game, and they can make a damn run because you were forced to buy some assets that you wouldn't have had otherwise in an alternate universe where the Yankees were actually decent. So that's what I'm looking at right don't, now. Starling Marte leading off in the wild card game. Don't be shocked if you see a lineup that consists of Starlin Marte, Cattell Marte, Scherzer's on the bump in game two. Trevor Story might be over at shortstop. You don't be shocked <laughs> if the team, if three out of the five guys up in the first inning of the game are different or aren't currently on the team. That's yeah, this my This is going to be like the force trades in Madden. We're going to oh, build yeah. a super team right here. Yeah, Jose Ramirez at third, Story at short. I mean, yeah, Cole, DeGrom, and Scherzer's your one, two, three. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I wanted to end this show with a new segment that I've been teasing, but I was too lazy to do for the last couple episodes. But this time we are going to do it. We're going to educate all of us. So it's called Stat Talk. It's going to be the last five minutes, and I'm going to introduce a new stat. A lot of you may already be familiar with some of the stats, but some of you may not. So we, we mentioned a lot of there's a lot of analytics and deep dives and advanced metrics and stuff like that in baseball now. And a lot of people don't really make sense of it. So I wanted to make a little bit of sense of them and we can learn together. We can go piece by piece and build on our on our knowledge like a little bit of a course. And now that we would introduce it, we can we then are able to talk about it on the podcast and you'll understand what we're saying. And this is honestly mainly for Damon because Damon's a caveman and Murph is, too. So me and you know more of the <laughs> metrics. So this was supposed to be to educate our own members of the podcast so that I when I say something it actually means something to them not just like oh that's where that is he better than other people at that stat oh cool like no like you want to know the what this does that Murphy learned what baseball savant was like a month ago still cracks me up. and he, like, he, he acts like don't... it was uh he was the first to find it he's like yo have you ever I seen don't... this this website baseball reference <laughs> yeah it was like it was one of those nights we were doing the roll calls where we were banging out like three or four of them we'd been on there for two hours he goes guys i think i may have just found a new website for us to use like yeah. baseball S- savant, he couldn't even maybe? say savant either too he's like you guys ever heard of this like yeah. yeah, as a matter of fact, I have. I have, well, Murphy. Welcome to the internet. Yeah, so the first one we're going to start, we're going to start pretty easy. Not, it's not even that easy, but it's easy in terms of the advanced metrics. So we're going to start with FIP. FIP is fielding independent pitching. So a lot of people, you, uh, there are metrics to, to base, one of the better metrics to base uh, a hitter's production on is, you know, isn't batting average anymore. It's things like weighted runs created plus and other stuff like that. So I think the better one of the best metrics to measure a pitcher by is FIP, fielding independent pitching. So basically, you know, all the other pitching statistics like ERA and wins all rely on like the rest of the team's performance and other and and, in some capacity. So like ERA relies on the defense behind you, and you know, wins rely on run support. So it's not a, a true gauge on how the pitcher is actually doing. So you want to look at something that you can, you want to evaluate the the pitcher on just things that they can control. So that's what FIP does. FIP is like the, it ultimately isolates the performance of the pitcher separate from the ability of the defense behind him. So it's on the same scale as ERA. So 
and and if you could take it one step further and do XFIP, which is the expected FIP, which is the same, but it adjusts for ballpark factors, weather conditions, stuff like that. Like Coors Field is different, and you know what would be a home run here if it's Yankee Stadium versus another one. So that's that's a cool thing too that it adjusts for ballpark factors. But regular FIP is something that I think is very cool, and I think we should use on the show more often. And for example. You can even use it to do like projections. Like, is somebody getting lucky behind, with the defense behind them, or are they not? So, specifically, pitchers on the on the Yankees, they're probably going to have a lower FIP than an ER. I don't know, a lower. I'm confusing myself now. They're so, going to have a higher FIP. No, a, a lower, lower FIP, FIP than, the ERA. than ERA because their ERA is inflated because the defense behind them is bad. So, the scenarios that could happen is like if FIP is greater than ERA. That means you're getting lucky with the defense. Your ERA should probably climb soon. It's probably going to go up and uh, go up towards the mean. So if the ERA is greater than the FIP, that means you're getting unlucky with bad defense. Some errors behind you that's inflating your ERA. Listen you're, to you're, the you're pitching better than your ERA actually shows. So maybe it's going to come down a bit, and that's something that you could bet on, like you're saying. So no, I say listen to the Action Network talk about it every uh, every Wednesday. They we have two great guys that come on. The ones who they both bet day to day games. One of their big things is they they talk about FIP. They talk about these advanced metrics, which you will learn about from us. Apply that to the betting. You'll see why they pick the people they pick, why they expect them for regression or to bounce back, whatever it may be. And this is a big one. So, little Action Network ad for you every Wednesday. Listen to that. It is. You won't regret it. They're actually really good at betting, a lot better than us. So. Oh yeah. So. One thing I wanted to do before we end the episode is with this in mind, I wanted you to guess on the Yankees who is the worst in FIP and who is the best. So start with the worst. Who do you think the worst on the Yankees this year is for FIP? Who has the highest FIP? Starters and relievers? Yeah. Uh, Sessa. No. Really? Sessa's having a nice year, whether you want to okay, admit that as, or not. No, I'm saying it might be partially because of luck. Okay, then Tyone. No, he's up there though. The number, the highest FIP on the team, possibly due to like a small sample size for this one. So I have number two also. But Brooks Krisky is you fuck. That was gonna be my pick, but he has like two innings. He's got a, he's got like four innings, I think. Nine. That's he has cheating. a nine six six FIP, but I went one step further. One who has more of a sample size. Basically, the worst pitcher on the Yankees is Justin Wilson. So oh, I forgot about him. Claps to you, Cashman, for acquiring Justin Wilson. Six eight four fit for Justin Wilson. Not great. It's not good. Uh, so if you had to guess who has the best fit, lowest on the team, who would that be? Uh, Chapman. No. Really? No. Really? Sure? Yes. Re- yes. Really? And no, he does not. Are you giving me some like bullshit thing? Like, you know, somebody came up for one game and threw an inning, or is this like is somebody with a real sample size? It's actually a pretty decent sample size. Loisaga? No. I don't know. Nestor Cortez. Oh, get the fuck no, out of here. No, there's there's a there's a sample <laughs> size with that. He's he's been he's been pitching a little bit. It's not like a crazy low sample size, but it's it's something that is enough to bring up this. Obviously, the next one is Cole. Cole has a 244 fit. That's obvious. I don't know why you didn't say Cole, but uh Nestor Cortez. I wanted to be 198 fit. Give Nestor some love. Second second right. tour with the Yankees doing it. 
Fair enough. Where's Where's Chapman on that? I figured. I don't know. I, I don't. Know. I wrote it on good old pen and paper, so I don't have the. Yeah, we're an old school podcast. Oh yeah, old school with the new school stats. <laughs> you gotta You gotta remember your roots. So that'll do it for me for uh, this episode one thirty six. I think it is. We're cruising up there. Uh, if you liked it, make sure to give us a five star rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. If you didn't like it, also give us a five star rating because that's fun. I mean, if you got this far you probably enjoy us at some point so uh five star rating itunes would help us a lot subscribe to the youtube we do these live on youtube every time uh bronx pinstripes youtube page full video podcast will be on there all the time and uh yeah call the voicemail line 914-469-2168 but uh yeah i think that's all i wanted to say at home no it's just making sure i said all the housekeeping things i wanted to say I uh, saw you looking up there. Damon ran out of gas. That is why he is not joined with us tonight. So Yeah, and Murph is doing Murph things. I figured it was like the Friends episode where Ross runs out of gas. So there's yeah. just Damon lost in the middle of New York somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be here next week and not frozen out in the wilderness. Yeah. So we'll see. With that being said, let's look forward to a fully opened stadium. With the Yankees this uh, tomorrow, when you guys listen to this, if you're listening to it on Friday, the Yankees stadium is fully open. I might fuck around and go to the game. Why not? I'll go. You it, dude. You put in your two weeks. Yeah, I don't give a shit. <laughs> does that mean? Does that mean Billy's is is fully open now? And apparently, stands? I saw a tweet that said that Billy's was going to be a zoo tomorrow. So do with that what you may. Wow, we beat COVID, dude. Yeah, we did. All right, man. You're welcome. I got my vaccine. You're welcome. I beat COVID. You beat COVID. All right. Well, let's go, Yanks. Let's start a winning streak. We got a lot of a lot of ground to make up, and let's get Cattell oh, Marte and Max Scherzer. Two team. See ya.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.